welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a weekly conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and with me, as always, my uh, brother in the Lord, Dylan Keniston. Dylan, how are you doing? Doing well, Eric. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Doing good, great. Good. And uh, thank you all for tuning in to our uh, episode this week, and uh, we hope that uh, it'll be it'll be a blessing. So, this week... Uh, well, I guess first I want to say that uh, recently we, we looked at, uh, in previous weeks, uh, the church. I think that one, uh, we did that uh, last week. We uh, talked about uh, the church as the bride of Christ. And I think we want to continue that theme this week and look a little bit at uh, the giving of spiritual gifts or the use of spiritual gifts. Uh, this concept that uh, most Christians are familiar with, I imagine, but I don't know. Sometimes they don't. We don't really talk about it too much. Mm. Uh, I'm sure there are some churches, some denominations that spend a little more time on spiritual gifts or talking about them. But uh, I don't know. It's just something. It seems like it's always just been there. It's always just been a given. I don't know. How, uh, growing up or or in, in the church for you, how have spiritual gifts been viewed? Yeah, I mean, so for me, I, I'll be honest, I was not raised in a Christian home, right? Oh, yeah. and, and so, well, but what's interesting is, you know, I was, I mean, A, I was not raised in a Christian home, B, I went to public school, C, I just was exposed to, like, a ton of stuff, we'll just put it that way, right? So, like, yeah. you know, when I first started, um, you know, thinking about Christianity or exploring Christianity, however you want to put it, you know, the Lord started to kind of have his, his hand on me in that way, you know, you get, you see kind of like this whole new world, you know, part of it being scripture, part of it being church and Christian friends and Christian family members. But then you see like this other, uh, this other wing of, of the Christian family where um, there's all kinds of things going on. There's, you know, kind of ecstatic utterances and, and, you know, miraculous healings and, and the healing is tied to, let's say your measure of faith. And so if you really believe Strongly, you'll be healed from, you know, X disease, um, you know, even to the point of, and, you know, this is not always a fair characterization, but to the point of, like, you know, kind of rolling around on the floor in, mm. in you know, ecstatic utterances that don't mean anything to anyone. Um, so that was just a world that I just had never been exposed to or had thought of or had seen. And it, was, it just struck me as, um, it struck me as different. You know, it struck me as a little strange, uh, certainly not anything that was familiar in, in my own personal experience. Um, and, and so, you know, when we, when we look at now uh, coming to this question of kind of spiritual gifts and what's their use and what's their purpose, um, here I, w- I would think broadly, it, it, this is kind of like, let me first say, first say against the, the background that I just described, you know, I would look at, um, you know, Pentecostal uh, brothers or sisters in Christ as brothers and sisters in Christ. Like I, I think this is an intra, largely an intra church, um, discussion. Right. And the question being, you know, to what extent do spiritual gifts as they're, uh, described in the new Testament either continue into today or do they cease? Um, generally, I think most of us can agree that the purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up the church. Um, but now having said that, the the continuation of some of those gifts, and that's another thing too. Are we talking about all the gifts? Are we talking about verbal gifts? Are we talking about gifts of uh, 
gifts of apostleship. So the New Testament lays out, yeah. you know, certain spiritual gifts, and and one wants to think carefully through uh, some of those categories. You know, I think part of the danger when we come to topics like this is we get kind of these broad brushstroke statements, which can be useful, can be helpful, right? Um, because they help orient our mind in a particular direction. But it's it's useful still to get, you know, fairly nuanced in, in these kinds of discussions as well. They can they can get fairly, fairly nuanced. Yeah. Um, so yeah. anyway. No, I, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, my own experience, I, you know, spiritual, I didn't really experience those kinds of uh, churches, gifts, if you will, uh, growing up, uh, people speaking in tongues or, or anything like that. Um, but uh, and and maybe that's something that we can discuss. You know, the, the continuation of some of those gifts or or not. Yeah, I remember when I was so I lived in Vermont for a number of years, right? Oh. And it's just a very rural area. Yeah. Um, but this was around the time it was kind of formative high school years where my uncle, um, who I, I actually kind of consider a father in the faith, right? My uncle was kind of um, you know sh- sharing the gospel with me, and you know he, he so he would come and visit. And he would be like, okay, well, you know, you're not really going to a church. Um, and, you know, we lived right next door to a Roman church. And mm-hmm. so he was trying to, you know, broaden the horizon a bit and say, well, let's see if there's another church. He's trying to, you know, yeah. point me in a certain direction. You understand? Um, so we got out a phone book. This was back in the day when phone books were still oh, a thing. Oh, wow. Phone books. We got out a phone book. And he, um, I mean, of course, we had technology back then, too. But this is my uncle kind of leading it. So um, shout out to him. He, he has a cell phone now. So he, he bought, he busted it out and he looks up churches and there's churches in the, what was it? The yellow pages or the white, but whatever it is. So mm-hmm. he's, so we're just like kind of, you know, point a finger and boom, let's check out this one today. Hmm. So we did. And I remember we drove to this one church. It was, it was not really in the middle of nowhere. Like it was, I mean, it, it was in uh, Rutland. I, I have no idea if the church still exists there, but <laughs> at the time there was this church probably doesn't because when we went, there was, I think there were two or three people there. It was a sizable building. There's only two or three people inside of it. And one of them, I'll never forget, was a woman who was um, dressed in all kinds of uh, beads and, and little clanging items on her dress, little, you know, sound making when, yeah, she, would, sure. when she would move. Sure. And she had a, a, like a handkerchief, I guess. I kid you not, running around the building, waving the handkerchief in the air. And I just had like, and I'm looking at my uncle like, what do you, what, what did you just introduce me to, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, and, and again, I, I know that that may come off as disparaging, and I know that these these can become very nuanced and complicated discussions biblically, and and they're important to have and they're good to have. But that was my experience, right? Mm-hmm. That was my initial exposure to some of the more charismatic. Um, you know, I didn't have the language to describe it, but some of the more charismatic wings of of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but to get to the, but before we go into those specific, um, more controversial, I should I should say, gifts yeah. or, or the discussion between them, uh, we can take a look at the very foundation of spiritual gifts. Like, why, why do they exist? Why, why were they given? What is their, what is their purpose? And I think, I guess one of the main passages that. Uh, I wanted to go to is First Corinthians chapter twelve. Hmm. So, in that chapter, 
which pretty much isn't a chapter entirely about gifts. Um, 12 to 14. Yeah. yeah, essentially, there's like three chapters yeah, that yeah, talk yeah. about it. And I don't want to read the whole thing, but, um, you know, start, you know, in, verse, in chapter 12, you know, he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And then he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he talks about utterances of wisdom, utterances of knowledge, gift of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. So kind of like discernment, uh, tongues, interpretation. Um, and then in the verse 11 of chapter 12, he's, he says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, and he goes on to talk about uh, the church being one body with many members, which um, is a theme that we see constantly throughout the New Testament, the body of Christ. Um, there's many parts, yet one body. And then, you know, so, he, so Paul talks about then, you know, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And if everyone was, if the whole body were an eye, would it be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, would it be the sense of smell? So it seems like the point in, uh, Paul is making is that the gifts are given uh, as the Holy Spirit wills, as he wills, individually. And the purpose of it is to build up the body, to strengthen the body, and so that everyone has their function to play. Yeah. So that they work, so that they work together well. Mm -hmm. It seems it seems like it. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I, so in in First Corinthians fourteen uh, verse twelve, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, all these different gifts that were just described. Yeah. You're eager to have them, then. He says, strive to excel in building up the church. Mm -hmm. um, you know, likewise, we have uh, more, uh, another uh, list of gifts in Ephesians 4. Uh, he who um, descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints mm -hmm. for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So um, in, in a number of different places, we're, we're told, and you know, we see it too in 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul connects the different gifts with the, the body of Christ, right? Th the point at the end of the day is that these spiritual gifts are, are given to the, the New Testament church to build up the to, to build up the church. And, and in one sense, I would even say, I mean, you, you used the word foundation earlier, which I think was helpful. Uh, I think that's, that's guiding, right? To, to lay a foundation um, for that testimony. So in Ephesians 2, uh, we'll start at verse uh, 18. For through him, we both have access to one spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, mm -hmm. Christ Jesus himself being uh, the cornerstone. So I think what we're seeing here is that the church is built on this foundation of the apostles and prophets um, so, so that everything we need for salvation and the, the growing in the likeness of Christ for sanctification is given to us in their teaching. 
which is preserved for us in Holy Scripture. So one of the arguments, so I, I would describe myself as a, as a soft cessationist, uh-huh. um, <laughs> by which I mean, uh, and I'm, I'm teachable on this, by the way, um, I, I don't have all my, thought, my own thoughts sorted out on the, on the matter, but by which I mean, by, by and large, these miraculous gifts, uh, such that some person is given a particular gift, so the, the, the locus of the gift is, is now in the person, distributed by God through the Holy Spirit, has ceased. Um, now, that does not mean that God cannot work miraculous wonders today. He absolutely can. He's God. But it does mean that the primary locus of the giftedness of, of the church as it exists today has been preserved in and through the Word, that the Holy Spirit uh, does His miraculous work in people through the Word, uh, through the Word of God. So that's, at, at the end of the day, that's roughly where I land. But again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm teachable. I, there, there are teachers who are <laughs> way smarter than I who don't land there. Um, but there, there have been some, some really excellent, uh, some resources in this regard that I can just mention. I mean, Gaffin, um, I'd have to, I'll have to look up the name of the book. Uh, Wayne Grudem wrote. has a book. Wayne on Grudem prophecy. has a book on prophecy. Um, I, th- I found pretty good. Yeah, and then uh, po- let's see. Vern Poitras has. Uh, let me see. Vern Poitras has an excellent uh, article as well. Modern spiritual gifts as analogous to apostolic gifts. Is, it's kind of a long title, but if you just Google mm-hmm. uh, Vern Poitras modern spiritual gifts, you'll you'll get it. Um, so anyway, and 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 Poitras kind of interacts with Grudem. He interacts with Gaffin. So Grudem is you know continu- continuationist, believing that the some of the more miraculous spiritual gifts can continue into today. And Gaffin is kind of a, a harder cessationist, where he just says yeah. not not so much. Yeah. Um, and and Poitras I think does a does a wonderful job kind of bringing some of those two into conversation with yeah. one another. I, I guess I land more in the uh, the continuation side. Well, yeah. I don't know. Soft continuationist, I yes. remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or a skeptical continuationist. Yes. I yes. don't know what, what you say. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I like I said I've never experienced anything like the gift of prophecy or gift of tongues. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. But I do know that it's it's fairly clear that the gifts are given that as the Holy Spirit. Uh, wills yes and so I think there's actually because it's Paul mentioned it in in Corinthians in the passage that we just read but also uh, the author of Hebrews yeah Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4 while it says this while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will so Whatever we feel, whatever we believe about spiritual gifts, we have to admit they're all distributed by God as He wills. So they can't be demanded. I mean, they're gifts, right? Yeah. You can't really demand it. You don't demand gifts. Right. You demand your wages. You don't demand. You don't demand gifts. So I don't have a fundamental problem with, I guess, someone saying that they have like a gift of tongues or a gift of prophecy as long as it's within the context of mm. the, the boundaries of scripture. I mean, Paul talks about like there has to be an interpreter mm. for the gift of tongues and things like that. So, And by tongues, you, you don't mean kind of um, a, a babbling, right? No, you mean it's a, actual an language. existent language yeah. that is it, not known to the speaker. Yeah, I, I don't believe that barking like a dog or babbling 
is a tongue. Yeah. yeah. Because a tongue is, even if you think it's angelic or human language, it's still a language. Yeah, it's still so discernible. There's content it, in it. It has, it has, it has, it has uh, syllables. Yes. It has structure. It would have words. It would have, you know, all, it would have anything a language has. You can tell the difference. Uh, even if you don't know the language, you can tell the difference between someone speaking a language that you don't know and someone mumbling hmm. or murmuring or just babbling. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. so I don't consider like, yeah, a lot of the hooting and hollering and, and weird just babble to be right evidence of a, of a tongue. But um, so that being said, uh, you know, uh, there are some... Uh, there's some, uh, I guess, more of the uh, Pentecostal churches that that would make the case that if you don't speak in a tongue, you haven't received the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's a se- there's kind of second blessing theology yeah. that's kind of askew. Not right? that you're not saved, but that you haven't received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, kind of a souped up Christian. Uh, you know, if if you were really yeah. If you were really strong in your Christianity, right, you you would receive the, uh, which is weird because the Bible be never talks about. The, I don't know. I don't see scripture. Yeah, I mean, I think saying that one gift is better than another. Right, true, true, and I I think that there's some confusion around kind of the the, the baptism of of the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah. So, it, like it, in in my mind, kind of when we when we hear some of that language in scripture, I think it gets tied back to. Uh, Christ's cross work, really, yeah. that there's kind of a communal atonement that's accomplished by Christ for his people and that get, that gets applied to those who believe in him, right? And that that really is, I mean, that's your baptism of the Holy Spirit in one sense is yeah. that that grasping onto Christ through faith and having that union sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? There's your baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not, um, you know, I, I repent, I believe, I trust Christ, and then maybe a year later, uh, I have this uh, miraculous um, uh, occurrence w- with the Lord where I, I all of a sudden start speaking in an unknown uh, tongue or a language that I don't myself yeah. know. Um, now that and that kind of thing, I mean, that's something that is, I think, at the end of the day, um, unhelpful, right? That kind of posturing of kind of a second blessing theology. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, the the best of of the continuationist. Uh, and and uh, believers, and you know, even some of the best of the Pentecostal heritage don't necessarily hold to that, right? So it's not necessarily that um, you know unhelpful or, or I, I, what I think are are um, misinterpreted views of Scripture. It's not to say that those are um, representative or, or necessarily you know indicative in all cases of folks who hold to. A continuation of the gifts. So, yeah. like, it's one of the things. Where, like, I'm a soft cessationist, but I want to I want to defend my my continuationist <laughs> brethren um, be, because I think they get sometimes unfairly lumped in with mm-hmm. with some other less helpful things. I agree. And uh, uh, talking about tongues and and some of those gifts, uh, Paul Paul himself seems to not disparage tongues, but he doesn't. He doesn't value it super high. I'd rather say what is this? I'd rather say five knowns in a known words five words in a known mind. tongue. Yeah. yeah, than than a thousand words yeah. in an unknown tongue. And he even says in, in chapter fourteen and verse one, he says, he, he earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Yeah. So he's not talking about tongues. Yes. Because he that's talks different. about for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. Yes. And then he continues, um, 
He says, I, and now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. That's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then he says, though, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? And he, he goes on to use the analogy, if, if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking into the air. So he's making it very clear. Like, it needs to be discernible. It needs yeah. to be intelligible. Yeah. Right? So it, it, what's interesting about that, too, is it, you th- just imagine you get a pastor who comes up in front of the church on a Sunday morning and says, I'm going to give you a five-word sermon. Right? Just imagine yeah. a five-word sermon. And Paul's like, look, that's better than if the same dude gets up for two hours yeah. preaching in words that the congregation doesn't understand. And that actually, I mean, in some ways it's a bit of a, um, you know, it's, it stands as a, a humbling thought that, you know, even, even quite apart from the question of language, I mean, uh, how many, you know, how often do, do teachers of God's word sometimes get into the pulpit and, and use, uh, let's say words that are just way outside mm-hmm. of the, um, outside of the common vocabulary of the congregation. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that happens a lot. So, you know, that, that's something that you know, can be a helpful corrective. Like, look, at the end of the day, make sure that you're understood. Otherwise, you're speaking to the air, as Paul says. That's true. And he does, and in chapter 13, I think, is a very powerful chapter of 1 Corinthians because, you know, Paul talks about, I will show you a more excellent way. And he talks about love. If I have not love, I gain nothing, right? And he talks about if I'm a, if I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So he shows the Corinthians that the more important thing is love. And that these gifts are, are not to be compared to the gift of the, the, the love that we show each other. Right. Um, and I always found it interesting that, you know, there are some churches that, that want to be, you know, like for instance, the Corinthian church, they were, they were, particularly proud of their gifts, mm. of their spiritual gifts, right? And I think even Paul talks about, like, yeah. you really have a lot of gifts. Mm-hmm. It's great. But if you add up, you know, when you look at all the stuff in First and Second Corinthians and you, and you add up all the things that have been going on, it wasn't a very, it wasn't a very pretty church. No. Because there was a guy yeah. that was sleeping with his, was it, his Mother father's mom. wife. Yeah. And then there were people getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. Mm. And some people weren't having any, there was no food or wine available left for the, for the less fortunate, you know, the less the poor right. who were coming for the Lord's Supper. And then these other people are like getting wasted, drunk. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I mean, hopefully the church has come a far, you know, has gone a far away since then. Like, you know, I would rather, I guess in the end, and I hope, hopefully this is uh, something that the Apostle Paul would agree with, but, I think I'd rather have a church that preaches the gospel well, loves each other well, and doesn't uh, live in, like, gross, unrepentant sin, like sexual sin or getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, and doesn't have the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy or those miraculous gifts. That's okay. Yeah. You know, because the issue is love. And I've heard an argument... Uh, that one from a, a more cessationist perspective, and I find it fairly 
useful. It, it's based on chapter 13, right? So it says in verse 8, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And he talks about when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So some have argued that Paul's talking about the completion of the canon and that when the you know, hey, these spiritual gifts, they were given because the Bible was not yet complete. Now that we have the Bible, yeah, we don't need those tongues and prophecies. Some which is of, roughly where I fall. Yeah. yeah. But I, so this same passage, what's interesting about that is that I, I've heard it used as, in some ways, I, I actually think this is one of the more powerful continuationist passages, believe it or not. Here, here's why I say that, right? Please share that. Yeah. I'm curious. So he says, so 13.8, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. They haven't yet. Yeah. As for tongues, they will cease. They haven't yet. Yeah. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It hasn't yet. So in other words, I, I hear in 1 Corinthians 13.8 to 12, um, like it, what could be an argument for the continuationist position to say, look, they will pass away. They haven't yet. And that to me is, I mean, I, I think at, at the minimum, I think 1 Corinthians 13, uh, in particular, verses 8 to 12, um, mean that these kinds of spiritual gifts could uh continue until Jesus comes back. I don't think it demands that they do continue until Jesus comes back because we see elsewhere, you know, Hebrews 1, 2, right? In these last days, how is God, how does God speak to us today? Right? Hebrews 1, 2 says, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. And we have the canon, the scripture completed and final on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So in other words, um, if, if you have someone today... One of the things I would want to be wary of is is the attempt to add to Scripture or to modify Scripture with new revelation, right? We're not – we don't – I think generally, right, the canon is closed. Christians are not going down that route. So if someone says, I have a word from the Lord, you know, someone in row 38, uh, seat 12 has back pain, and you know what I mean? Like, that's not, is that in scripture? <laughs> um, so if, if someone said, you know, the spirit has led me to Wawa for lunch, <laughs> probably not. If, if, if the spirit did that, it probably would be Wawa. Or Chick-fil-A. Or Chick-fil-A, definitely Chick-fil-A. So I would say, I would say to that, um, probably not. But if you were to say, the spirit has led me to purity in my marriage, probably so, right? And what's the difference there, right? The difference is, one of those is grounded in God's word. The other is not. We have a completed canon. I'm pretty sure right? Chick-fil-A so, is mentioned. I mean, it might be. I, in I might the be Old Testament. It, it very well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but I, I, I see what you're saying. And uh, for me, chapter 13, I agree. I think it allows for the continuation of these gifts. But right. I don't think that the perfect is either the completion of the canon or the coming of Christ. Hmm. He's talking about love and he's talking about maturity, I think. Hmm. So my... My perspective, and I'm teachable as well, is that he's talking about, I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. And then he's like, I became a man, I gave up. So he's, he's using that analogy, this concept of maturing. And so what I believe is that these particular gifts were expressed more in the immature, brand new 
young churches that were yeah. freshly planted, freshly originated. But as those, as the church grows in maturity, as that church grows in love, those things pass away. The prophecy, because they grow from being a child, being childish, to being manly, to being mature. Right. So they no longer speak like a child. Yeah. So I honestly, my perspective is that those gifts of tongues and prophecies is a, it's a spiritual gift, but it's a sign of immaturity. Mm. And that, and that the better way is love and maturity. And when that happens, yeah. those gifts, you should expect them to pass away. Yeah. Maybe there's an argument to be made from that. Like, I don't know, the church in, well, the church in Europe that's not apostatized and the church in America that hasn't gone off the deep end are, generally speaking, not charismatic churches. Why? I mean, I, they're, they've been, they're fresh. I mean, not fresh, they're more mature. They've been there for a while. But maybe churches in India, Africa, China, brand new. This is their first, you know, they were planted a couple of years ago, maybe. Yeah. Like they're, maybe they're like the Corinthians. Well, I was going to say, and there may be, like, there's a number of churches, I think, and a number of believers in South America comes to mind for me yeah. where the charismatic uh, wing is, is very strong. But also in, in some in, in some respects is kind of a foot has <laughs> – it can be a, a stronghold of orthodoxy <laughs> too, like in, yeah. in, in some in some cases. So you know, it, it's here's what I love about this conversation, right? Yeah. I, I love that, like you. So as a as a continuationist and a cessationist, sit down and look at First Corinthians thirteen eight <laughs> through twelve. We're really close to each other. We're really close to each other, right? Like I love that, and I, and I love that the text is is shared in common and becomes an arbiter between. Uh, between siblings in Christ. Yeah. That's that's awesome to me, right? Like, yeah. that's powerful stuff. And that's why rooting these discussions in Scripture is so important. Here's another angle that I, I, th I see a lot of that I, I just, it, it makes me nervous, right? Uh -huh. Is when, I, I think that we have to, we have experiences, right? Mm -hmm. We all have different experiences in our lives. And I think a, a mature Christian posture will work to interpret those experiences and submit those experiences. It'll interpret them through the lens of and submit them to Scripture. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, Scripture is the norming norm. It's the final authority. It's the final authority, not our yeah. experiences. That's right. So we need to try to understand. If, it, like, if you're out there and you're listening to this today and you're a Christian and you, you, you're you sitting there like, well, you know, Dylan, what do you mean you're a cessationist? I know I've spoken in Todd. I've done it before, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe you have, right? But but even so, when when we experience things, I guess what I'm jealous to preserve is is not so much whether you've spoken in tongues or not. Yeah. What I'm jealous to preserve is we share a common text and our experiences get interpreted through that as their framework rather than, yeah. you know— well, I've I've felt this. I've had this happen. Yeah, the burning it's in the bosom. Rolling. Burning in the bosom. Yeah, yeah. like, and and that that gets us nowhere, right? No, because yeah. then it's purely subjective, and yeah. it's not something that we can build on. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I'm a I'm a I'm a not reluctant. I said skeptical continuationist, and I'm a soft cessationist. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> out of uh, out of conviction from what Scripture says, I have no personal desire. I mean, unless the Lord changes that, I have no personal desire. You'll, you'll, basically, I'm trying to say is I'll be the last person you see speaking in tongues. Yeah. In the church. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I'm not the I'm the, I'm kind of a reserved kind of guy. Like I. Oh, but Eric, I what if someone said, "But desire the greater spiritual yeah, gifts"? Well, 
Yeah, what is the greater spiritual gift? Tongues or prophecy? Technically, prophecy. Prophecy. Right. <laughs> well, of course, un unless there's an interpreter, right? That's a different question. Yeah, yeah. But but, but generally, it's yeah. prophecy. That's what Paul will say. I'd rather yeah. speak, you know, five words in a known tongue. That's right. Yeah. So this is this is a really uh, good conversation. But some. Okay, so we've, we've spoken a lot about uh, those particular gifts, um, and the Holy Spirit gives them as He wills for the building up of the body. Um, and so, would you say then that uh, do you think every believer has at least one gift? Oh sure, there's all kinds of there's all kinds yeah. of spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit doles out. Oh, I agree. Like uh, discernment the, and mercy and yeah, the fruit of it. the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, hopefully, this will be an encouragement to those who are listening. Like, by the way, quite apart from justification and sanctification. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you talk about gifts. Yeah. There's like union with Christ. Oh my goodness! Like that's eternity secured. You have an internal et eternal inheritance. Yeah. Talk about a gift. That's yeah. your. That's the gift. Yeah. In addition to. The fruit of the spirit. Yeah. yeah, and this ties into our discussion last week with regards to the church, mm. and how the gifts are given yeah. for the building up of the body of Christ, fellow believers, right? Yeah. And if we remove ourselves from the church and want to be a lone ranger Christian, I think we are not helping to build up the body. We're not using the gifts that God has given us. And we're not being blessed by the gifts that God has given other believers in our lives. Um, I know I've always tried to understand it because people might say, like, why? I mean, why the gifts? Like, why? Why do we need them? You know, I say, why did God do it that way? Hmm. And I mean, I don't fully you know, know, but I think it's a common theme throughout human experience of the, the theme of equipping, the theme of gift giving, the theme sure. of equipping for a mission, right? I just think of like, from a military perspective, you know, uh, everybody in the military has a different role to play. And some are given certain like equipment, others are given other equipment to go do their job. And not everyone is a, a fighter pilot, not everyone drives a tank, you know, you know, so it just seems like that makes sense to me, that we have a mission, and everyone has a part to play, and everyone has various equipment and gifts that God has given them to be used for that purpose. And, the, and yeah, yeah, and note that like a lot of these gifts that we've been talking about get tied back to uh, get tied back to Scripture. So again, you know, I, so I think one of the reasons why the uh, the supernatural gifts that we read about in the New Testament were given to uh, the apostles, the early teachers of the church, was to reinforce their testimony and the truthfulness, mm -hmm. the validity of their testimony that Christ is, is died, risen as Lord. Um, and, and similarly here, now once the canon is closed, you have some of those, you have the church having matured, right, as you've put it, and some of those spiritual gifts passing away, such that now we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, uh, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's Ephesians 2.20. Now, in addition to that, we see the same point. Now, kind of what you're talking about, the, the equipping of the saints, tied mm -hmm. back to in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Yeah. Right? So it, it's mm -hmm. we're, we're being equipped with 
scripture, to, to know scripture, to know what is what ultimately is the outcome of the gifts that had been given to the church. And now that's not to say that there's no giftedness left for us this side of the complete canon. We read in Galatians 5.22, this fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the, in addition to union with Christ, that's, that, that, those are the gifts that we are yearning for and pursuing likeness with Christ and sanctification. And that's what equips us yeah. to be to be prepared, to, to be grown in the Lord, to be mature in the Lord, all of that through Scripture. Yeah. And the, these gifts are not meant to uh, puff us up or, or cause us to yeah. be prideful, mm-hmm. right? Like Great point. I'm, I'm reading from Romans chapter 12. And verse 3, Paul says, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more high than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then he goes on to explain that. For as in one body, we have many members. So we've heard that analogy before. And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, he's saying this is the attitude that you should have in exercising these variety of gifts. You know, if you're going to exercise acts of mercy... It should be cheerful. You know, you should do it with a cheerful. But all of it is to make sure, and, and all of it, we're to make sure not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And I think this was just in, particularly yeah. true in, in the Corinthian scene, yeah. right? That some of the, They were some boasting. Of, yeah, some of the giftedness gets tied to boasting. So, for example, we read in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 4, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? In other words, they're finding their gurus, and they're just going after the guru with the gift that appeals to them. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, servants, as the Lord, assi- as the Lord assigned to each. Mm. So the Lord gave the gifts. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And we jump down to uh, verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right? There's a certain, there's a certain, one of the things that comes, that must come with, with giftedness in some of these respects is more and more a recognition of our dependence on the spirit through whom they are disseminated. Yeah. It's that dependence on God again and again, because apart from that, we would have nothing. We aren't. We have, for us, the foundation that was laid in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's what we have, and that given to us by God. So, th- there cannot be a kind of boasting in mm-hmm. in giftedness. Now, at the on yeah. the flip side of that, we also see a, the the reverse danger here, which is you don't want to be jealous of the giftedness of others either. Kind of following after someone just because of a particular gift that appeals to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, mm-hmm. right? So here's a question, right? If you're out there and you're listening, what what has God gifted you with, right? And and what are some ways that that gift can be used to build up 
the body to build up the church. You know, yeah. uh, you know pastors would love if you know folks in the congregation would go up to them after the service and say, "Hey." You know, I would love to serve. How can I, you know, what do you need? How can I get plugged yeah. in and serve serve you well and love this church well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's, yeah. And and also, I mean, and to know that we all have a gift, at least one, given to us by God that he wants us to use. Um, and even if we're given, let's say, the gift of, well, like I know I've heard some people say, you know, I don't have the gift of teaching. Well, okay. I mean, maybe you don't. You should still be able to, you know, teach your children. You know, like, like I, what I'm trying to say is sometimes it's easy or it's tempting to say, well, I don't have that gift, so I don't need to do... Yeah, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I don't need to evangelize. Well, I don't have the gift of mercy. I don't have the gift of mercy, so I don't so have, have to, to show merciful. mercy. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, you know, that's not entirely fair to say right. um there's a fruit of the spirit and there's a there's a mission that we're all called to do it's almost like you know from the from the marine perspective every marine's a rifleman mm-hmm. like they all can do the basics of this thing but some of them then do go on to do uh other things well you think about i mean if we're, if yeah. we're talking about giftedness in that sense you think in in one sense it's true of every christian right yeah. what, are, what are really the gifts even behind those right is justification well, every Christian has that, right? Because yeah. if you're a Christian, you've been united with Christ by grace through faith. Yeah. Um, so you're justified before God, united with Christ. That's a gift. Okay. So you have it. Uh, sanctification now, in line with that, growing in Christ's likeness and, and maturity. And those are things that are stipulated elsewhere in Scripture to be true of every Christian. Yeah. And, and, and in measure, right? And and so. Um, th- those are things to to pursue, you know, if it's something that we're commanded to do, right? Christians are not commanded to speak in an unknown tongue. Mm, that's true. Christians are commanded to evangelize and to show mercy and that's to, right. you know, et cetera, along the lines of the gifts you described. Be ready to give a defense, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point, yeah. So hopefully this discussion has been, has been helpful uh, to those of you who are listening. Uh, about receiving gifts, it's not a. This is not a a weird thing that God has done. Uh, in fact, we see it all in our stories. I mean, Lord of the Rings. I remember reading about the giving of the gifts to the uh, to the to the to the heroes. Right? Hmm. They all have these gifts given to them for their purposes. In Narnia, uh, the gifts that are given to to the heroes and the heroines in that film, and uh, this idea of gift giving or equipping for a, a greater mission and purpose is not new. It's always existed, but we see it now in the church through the giving of spiritual gifts, hmm. which uh, we should be eager to use and to want to use them. To serve others and glorify God, yeah. Amen. That's right, yeah. So um, that that uh, brings us up on our, on our time uh, this week, uh, Dylan. Uh, but... Uh, uh, for those of you who are who are listening and have questions, I know we didn't, um, you know, maybe you disagree with some of the things we said regarding uh, tongues and prophecy and whatnot, We're, but we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get your questions or get pushback and so that we can talk about these things. I mean, so if you have questions, don't hesitate to email us at twoguysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. And if you just go to our website, uh, two guys in the Bible.org. That's the number two guys in the Bible.org. We can, uh, you can uh, drop questions 
uh, there that will get sent to our inbox and we'll be able to uh, address your your questions. So we would love to hear back from you uh, so we can, uh, you know, continue the conversation. So um, I don't have anything else. Do you have any final thoughts there, Dylan? No. Amen. It's a good, good place to wrap. All right. So with that, uh, take care and God bless. God bless you.